Hello and welcome back to the least of our problems. I'm Kate and I'm Lily and today we're going to be talking about fitness. Today we have a guest on to discuss this with us so please say a big loop welcome to George. George is a physio, the grappling physio on Instagram if everyone wants to look him up and give him a follow and has been involved in fitness since he was young. If you wouldn't mind just like bringing us up to speed. On Can't trust up on yeah. the past. 25 years. Just like a quick, you know, I went to school, went to uni, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Vibe. So. Previously on George. <laughs> yeah. So growing up, I was very sporty. Um, always played rugby. I played football when I was maybe four and then my parents very quickly took me to rugby because I was just running into people on the football pitch and they were like, you'd probably suit rugby better. So played rugby all through like growing up. Um, never really like took school seriously. Was Never was like misbehaved, but just like messed around really. Um, and then to fast forward quite a few years. So when I was 14, I got a rugby scholarship at a private school which yeah, completely like changed my life. I was at a really, really shit normal school in Gloucester, just playing rugby, um, failing school. But yeah, so got a scholarship at a private school to go and play rugby. And then in my first season, I tore my hamstring. Um, and then basically in the next four years was just recurrent hamstring tears. Um, really like pretty miserable time mentally. But like the good thing that did come out of that is I was in a really good school. They were really supportive and they helped me kind of sort out my academics. Um, so I ended up like getting good GCSEs and getting good A-levels. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty, definitely like a lot of psychological issues that I have now stem from that period of time where I was, they were paying, you know, roughly, I mean, they paid roughly 120 grand for me to go and play rugby for them. And I probably total played maybe like 10, 15% of the total rugby that I should have played if I was fit whole time so that was like a lot of pressure yeah that's with. a huge amount of pressure for a kid as well yeah exactly um so then finished school did my a-levels i had a place at bath to go and do economics and international development because being in private school i'd never been around money and then suddenly all my mates were millionaires and more um so i got very interested in money and was like right rugby's not going to work for me now so I'm going to be rich and I was just like I'm going to be an investment banker because that's what all of their parents did and um so I did like economics maths and politics a levels which now that I look back is just so not me um but did those a levels got like relatively good results and then just before I finished school I was like fuck it I'm not going here <laughs> I think I kind of like started to clock on like no that's that's not going to lead me the way I want to go um, so left school, went traveling. I was away for a year and a half from home. And whilst I was in Australia, that's when I started to, again, reading books. I was just like trying to figure out what the fuck I wanted to do with my life. Did you Are find yourself? on this podcast? <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. Um, <laughs> no. So yeah, like I was reading books and um, I literally, I remember the exact moment I was driving, on, I was like on, on a road trip with a mate on, um, oh, what's it called? The Great Ocean Road near Melbourne and was reading a book. And this person in this book, I can't remember who it was, the advice they gave for if you don't know what to do with your life is pick something that really pisses you off and solve it. Like pick a problem that really annoys you and then solve that problem. And, and literally, I remember like in the car reading this book and just the first thing that popped into my head was how I was treated when I was injured. 
the physio that I got, how the coaches treated me and how that was all dealt with. I was like, that's what I'm going to solve. I'm going to be the physio that I would have wanted when I was injured. Um, and that then sent me on this path down where I am now. So, yeah. yeah. So that is your why, basically. Yeah. yeah. So what happened to you in physio that made you then want to become this? Bearing in mind, like, this is complicated because there was, like, financial investment in me. So I don't, when I look back at it, I don't blame anyone necessarily for how they handled it because everyone was under pressure. Like, I was under pressure to get back. My coaches were under pressure because they'd obviously like pitch to the school we need to invest this money in this kid because he's going to help us win this trophy which will bring more people into the school etc cetera, etc cetera. but so the first time I tore my hamstring when I was 15 um I couldn't wait bare at all so I couldn't walk for like a good few days after I was on crutches and they the coaches at the time organized for the Worcester Warriors so Worcester Warriors being a professional rugby team um because that's where my school was near they organized for the Worcester Warriors physio to come in and examine me. And I was in my boarding house and my house mother, so like boarding houses has a, have a house mother. They kind of act as your mum whilst you're away. Um, she came into my room and was like, oh, the physio's here to see you. So I like got up, limped into the TV room where this physio was. And my coach was there. The director of sport at the school was there. Um, and just another really important rugby coach was there. So there was these three guys who are basically my bosses. Yeah, at that time, if you think of it that yeah. way. Um, and straight away I walked in, I was like, oh shit, like this doesn't feel good. Um, and to cut a, again, a long story short, they essentially told the physio, like we think this kid is lying um, or, or to influence the physio in some sort of way that when I look back at how he assessed me, knowing what I know now, it's just absolute like malpractice. Like I had, I an acutely torn hamstring maybe like two days before and he was like you know pressing into my hamstring getting me to like curl my leg to test my hamstring strength which was causing me like obviously loads of pain and uh but I you was, were obviously also a kid so you were probably going oh i've just got to accept this yeah, from this grown adult 15 years old having you know knowing that this school was paying 97 and a half percent of my school fees to a thirty thousand pound a year school um so and then what happened is they did this assessment. I think they made me leave the room. I can't remember it exactly, but um, the physio then must have said to the coaches, like, yeah, he's okay. <gasps> so my coaches came and sat down with me and were like, uh, again, I can't remember the exact words. It's like 10 years ago now, but um, basically said like, you know, you're okay. Um, we want you to play next week. <gasps> and anyway, I was sat there obviously like, in my head, just like, oh my God, this is terrible. Um, and then I stood up to walk away and I couldn't walk. And as I was walking away, I was like really badly limping. And one of them said after me, I can't remember who it was. Oh, you can walk again normally now. <gasps> oh my God. So like my whole world was just like, I don't know. I was just in a really, really bad place. They then- Especially away from home. Yeah, like I was new to boarding relatively. I mean, I, this was about six months into to me boarding. Um, so they then like rushed me back may i think maybe the week after if not two weeks like it really wasn't long um got me playing again and i remember like in the warm-up i was like jogging around just like this is not like my hamstring is not right at all and they called the physio the worcester warriors physio got him to go on the phone with me like oh you know it's you're fine mate like don't worry about it like it's bound to be you know worrying you but you're fine and then like first player of the game got the ball started sprinting bang tore again 
so I'd tore my hamstring twice in like two weeks. Um, and then, yeah, that process just went on for like four years. They kept trying to get me back and it just kept going and yeah. Rather than just treating it properly the first time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the time when that was happening, did it make you doubt if the injury was real? Yeah, at times, like especially as I got further in, like maybe a couple of years in and it was just continuing to go, like physios would tell me like, yo, it, it was in your head basically. But I was like, it's not in my head because I'm warming up for, I don't know, I was also a sprinter. So I'd go to like athletics meets and um, I'd be warming up for like 100 meters. And I'd just be saying to like the coaches, I, it's not right. I can't, other people that have had hamstring tears say the same thing that it doesn't like hasn't gone like hasn't torn but you feel like this weird like it's about to go it almost feels like it's hanging on by a thread like I remember at one point as well uh like a, doing a training session and we were about to play a game the day after and they'd selected me and I wasn't fit at all and I remember getting back to my room um like sitting on the toilet and calling my mum just like in tears like I don't want to tell them that I'm not fit because I'm I'm scared of because anytime I said like oh, it doesn't feel right I just get this look of just pure like disappointment and basically made me feel like I was just being a pussy which as a teenage boy is like one of the worst things you can feel especially as like a rugby player oh that's awful that's such a horrible experience mm -hmm. but I think it's so important that not that you've had that but that you go actually I recognize that I want to make my career and my life purpose not anyone else having that experience yeah exactly and I still like every person that I work with now from a physio perspective like nearly every appointment I have with them I'm like right if this was me coming in what would I want from this appointment and it just gives me such clarity about like the way I communicate with people and just what I do with them from a rehab perspective and things it's such like a guiding principle of what I do which I think is why like I'm five months in now and things are going really well which obviously is awesome um but mostly I think it's just the fact that they come and they like I like to think that they feel understood and like I'm on their team and that I'm not gonna you know I'm, I believe you no matter what you say so yeah so can you just talk a little bit about so you went to university and you decided mm. that you were going to study yeah so I went traveling decided that I wanted to be a physio and then kind of realized that you need a degree to be a physio right. um so I was like oh shit I've got to go to uni I really didn't want to go to uni and then I had an economics a maths and a politics a level which wouldn't get you onto a physio degree why would it because it's a biological kind of background subject so that's when I was like oh I'll just get practical experience so did my PT qualification when I was in Australia um, and then became a PT and started working with people so that when I then applied for uni, I, I, I had to fight quite hard to get into uni. They didn't want to let me in, um, but like I had to do extra interviews and things and show that actually my experience is really relevant. And yeah, so I ended up getting in based on experience rather than um, academic prowess. <laughs> but I think that's really good because I, I know from my experience and I'm sure Lily can feel the same, going to uni and having absolutely no idea what the degree that you're doing is actually all about. Like, I didn't have any idea how horrible working in mental health would be until I left and had already done my degree. The standard of physios in general isn't great. Um, and I, a lot of it is to do with the education. Um, 
because essentially all they're trying to do is train you to work in the NHS system because the NHS has its own way of doing things like referral pathways and if this person needs that, where do you send them? That's what most of the education focus on rather than actually being a physio. Yeah. So basically you got the degree to be allowed to be a yeah. physio, but yeah, really yeah. you're basing it on loads of other things that yeah. you think are way more important. Yeah, I literally was like, I just need to get this piece of paper that says I'm a physio. And then that's it. Because when I was a PT, I, w- I was starting to, I was like, I wonder if I can do this without being a physio. Like if I just become a PT that people know as being like, oh, if you're in pain, you go to him. But it just, it's really, really hard. Like people walk through the door and they're like, oh, I've got pain. And I'm like, well, I can help you with that. And they're like, are you a physio? And if you say no, it's just like, they're like, well, I need to see a physio. So I just knew that I needed the, and also- the degree. Yeah, I think it's really important. People like that piece of paper, don't they? Yeah, 100%. Like, there's doctors out there that you wouldn't go to in a million years because they're fucking shit. Yep. But because they've got a piece of paper, you're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, I literally, and I don't know, like, thinking about the whole uni experience, there was so many times when I wanted to drop out just because, yeah, it was so bad. And at the time, the only thing that kept me going was, like, just a year and a half more and you'll have what you want that's it you've just got to put up with it for a year and a half so yeah i don't know how anyone does a degree where they don't get something at the end like fair play to you guys for putting up with it so you left uni and immediately started your own is it called would you call it a private practice yeah yeah Yeah. so about a year before i finished my degree i was like right i i can't finish my degree and then start my business like that will take too long i've got to start my business now and try and gain some kind of momentum so that when I finish my degree I could kind of just pick up straight away and and start so yeah my third year I like started an Instagram account and just started posting loosely um started I did a mentorship that was really really valuable with a really successful physio and Um, how are you getting these mentorships are you just messaging the people being like yeah so well this one is like an organized mentorship so you pay and then you just have lifetime access to this person's systems and content and uh, so that was really really useful so basically my third year of uni was uh, starting my business and literally just you know started treating people as soon as I could and it was very slow at the beginning but it was good because I could just give people my full attention you know I was treating two people so it was good and it was again I say this a lot like the the standard of physio is generally so low it's not that hard to give better treatment than most physios I'm sure people will be super curious about what so did it start making money straight away did you have another job um, what was no, the vibe? So, oh, I finished uni in June and then over the summer I carried on working in a pub that I was working at back where my mum lives. Um, so I was earning money through that and then I quit that job in August and just went like full time. Um, and I was quite fortunate in, so I started in September and then in my first month I covered my costs um, and was able to pay myself like a few hundred quid which was really good um i was really happy with and i took quite a big risk i got some very expensive equipment which one of my other mentors kind of recommended i get um which basically gives me the ability to test in a much more in-depth way so if you come in with an issue i can tell you exactly like where your strength weaknesses are or whatever um and it was a big investment but i did it and uh it's definitely helped me grow faster like i think that's something i've learned over the last few months is um like investing in things that are maybe a little bit scary and you go oh god is this gonna like actually maybe a bit too much if i bitten off more than i can chew but if it's gonna be 
if it's going to help you grow, then do it. Too many people with business just get kind of stagnant and just do the bare minimum. Whereas actually, I think it's relatively easy just to, I'd say relatively easy, just invest and try and differentiate yourself a little bit. So I think if it's going to like, yeah, if it's something that scares you a little bit, it's usually quite good. Right now we're going to start talking about fitness. What do you feel about the differences in the fitness industry between women and men? I think it's hard, it's hard to comment for me on the women part because I'm not a woman. Mm -hmm. So I think for men, I think it's actually really damaging. Um, oh, tell us, tell us more. I think because so the fitness industry for men encourages us to basically build a lot of muscle and the ideal male body type is very muscular unless you have very good genetics like i've been training 10 years and i still look fairly average the image that's encouraged is damaging which is then why something like steroids are just rife in people that should just have no interest in steroids like you know steroids came about mainly from like a bodybuilding um perspective where you know they needed steroids to get that completely unattainable, you know, like classic bodybuilder look. Now it's got to the point where you've got boys using steroids when they shouldn't be like, why are you using steroids to, and it's because what is now considered like a good male physique for most people need steroids to achieve. I, I've actually got a question for you because if we look at the female physique, it changes quite regularly. So what this year, last year, it was like big bums, um before that it was kind of that kate moss stick thin yeah uh, yeah whereas men it's quite consistently yeah, yeah, big true. pecs big arms why do you think it doesn't change that much for men i feel like the female ideal physique depends on what the male desire is at the time mm, like bingo <laughs> and like you look at i think it was like the 1990s nobody wanted a big bum and it's yeah, probably males. I, I can't speak for people at that time, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's super interesting about what you were saying about steroids, because I, one of my really good friends, he, we were having a really interesting conversation about steroids and he was saying, everyone's on steroids, but no one is saying that they're on steroids. So these unrealistic physiques are becoming realistic physiques. And his body, you'd kind of look at him and you'd go, that's a realistic physique. Yeah. But he's on steroids. And the same for everyone. So then when you think of someone who is on steroids, you think of like, I don't know who you think of. Yeah, like, like a bodybuilder, like that ridiculous size. Yeah. But you don't think of someone who just kind of kind of looks normal, but their muscles are big. But they're probably yeah. all on steroids. But none of you, well, not you, but none of the guys are saying... Yeah. I'm, I am on steroids. So yeah, it, yeah. it must become really hard for men who aren't on steroids to go, why aren't I making gains? Yeah, I think a lot of it, like male psychology, I think is pretty simple having grown up in a rugby environment and observed a lot of male psychology. Like I think males are much more hierarchical than females. So it's like our biology, like I walk around and like, I don't know, you're kind of sizing everyone up like on the sly, like subconsciously, you might not even be thinking, but you're kind of like looking and you make a split second judgment call. Like, could I take him? Yeah, I could take him for sure. <laughs> so I think that psychology plays into it because then what you have is you have a load of actors on TV that are on roids 
and saying they're not on roids. Men what, are then but looking... why can't they just say? <laughs> Is it illegal? Know. No, not in acting. It's illegal in some sports because it's like performance. So dancing. why why can't we just have that honest conversation and be like, actually... Because you know, like how women now are saying, do you know what? I, I've got Botox or I've got filler and that's why I look the way I look. But there seems to be a really big stigma around admitting that you're on steroids. Yeah, and I think it's because it, it would maybe retract from that that position in the hierarchy. Like, okay, I look at you and I put you above me because you're more muscular. But you haven't Oh, but done you're on steroids, actually. so you've cheated to get there. So now I don't put you on that pedestal. Do you ever feel the pressure from it, like you personally and working in that industry? No, I, I've, I've never felt the pressure, uh, but from like a looks perspective, do I wish I could look better? Yes, but I learned this ages ago. Like it's really unnatural for the human body to put on muscle because your, your body works on efficiency, right? If you think of like a hunter gatherer, uh, you just want to use the least amount of energy possible to get through the day. And the more muscle mass you have, the more your daily energy expenditure is. So like those big bodybuilders generally to sit here and be alive will be burning much, much more energy. So from like a human perspective, it's just you don't want a lot of muscle. And if you look at like when they've recreated images of hunter gatherers, they're all really well defined. Like they've got low body fat, but they're not muscly. They're just they're muscly because they've got very little body fat. They're like they're not a triangle. Yeah, Mostly humans were designed to be endurance animals because the way we hunted was basically we were really good at running so we would just like chase down a, a gazelle for miles and miles and miles until it got exhausted found on the floor and then we'd kill it and eat it and uh, actually putting on muscle goes against what your body wants to do like that as a fact illustrates like how hard it is to put on muscle i just find it ironic that they are involved in the fitness industry when surely they're not good for you well yeah arguably the long-term implications of using steroids aren't good for your health so how can you be coaching people on health when you're doing something really damaging to your health i'm going to change lanes slightly so for someone who is so about recovery and thinking about how you get from being quite unwell and physically unwell to being physically fit again how do you feel about it not being because it's not often presented on social media it's not often talked about how do you feel about physio and recovery not necessarily being as documented in the world of social media yeah i think again it kind of plays into in my experience like walk into you know a commercial gym and can guarantee if you go up to most people in there they're going to be in pain in some way or another mm-hmm. like they'll probably have back pain some shoulder pain if people just realize that um, if you kind of took a step back and just trained in a better way overall to like basically just feel good rather than like trying to get really, really strong and really, really skinny or whatever you want to do, just just go to the gym to like feel good and move in ways that make you feel good and being okay with going in the gym and doing things that maybe other people aren't doing, but knowing that actually this is good for me and it's not me that's weird, it's I think so many of our problems as humans comes from the fact that we don't act like humans anymore. And then we go in the gym and we do all these movements that like, again, like you said, are considered normal, but actually like when you really like step back and think, why are we doing those movements? There's no real justification for it. Like a a back squat came about, I think in the early like 1900s because some blokes were just like, 
wonder who can put the heaviest fucking bar on their back and, and <laughs> of like, course it and was men. bend their knees and, <laughs> and stand back up and then now it's like a staple that you get people that are relatively untrained going in the gym and loading up a barbell back squat and and do you why? know do you know what i'm not telling everyone to quit their dog job and walk dogs like at all but since i've stopped going doing my nine to five and then going to the gym but I've walked every day. I've noticed sir, my body feels better. I feel better within myself. A hundred percent. The two easiest is one walk more and yes. two be outside walking. Like oh, fuck. Exactly. I've got two of two. Which is why what you've said like makes so much sense. Like again, we're just, we're humans. We're an animal. We're designed to be outside walking around, you know, running. You have to build up to sensibly because we have spent so much of our lives being sedentary and, stuff like that and then people start you know their new year's resolution is to lose some weights and they start running and then three months later they've got really painful knees or backs or whatever it, it you know it shouldn't be confusing you've gone from zero to to a hundred really quickly but just like just get outside and walk more out and that will solve so many problems and even people i deal with who have like back pain i always like it's one of my biggest prescriptions and and you know obviously there's some people that have more of a problem than that and that need more than that but yeah, generally just go and walk more and get outside and you'll feel pretty, pretty good. And I also think that people have forgotten about body weight stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just learn to move your body and control your body before you think about racking up a load of weight. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on young girls who are watching social media and YouTube and they see their favorite YouTuber yeah. pressing like whatever and benching. Kilogram yeah, kilogram hip and thrusts. Oh, hip thrusts, ma hip thrusts massively. And then they go into the gym first time, put all this weight on. Mm. And I was just like, uh, is that not doing more damage if, you're, if your form isn't good mm. and you've got heavy weight rather than no weight, but a perfect form? Yeah. Yeah, I think form is, again, like there's different people that have different thoughts on this. If you've got a significant amount of weight and you're moving it in whatever way you want to move it, whether it's squatting, pulling it from the floor, whatever, your form needs to be good. Like if you're a power lifter, your form needs to be good because yeah, you're putting ridiculous forces through your spine and things like that. You need to be strict with form. However, if you are using light weights and it, you know, generally weight, maybe a weight that you can lift for like 12 or 15 reps, um, then generally don't worry too much about form. Obviously if it's terrible form, then that's not good. Um, but like generally just move around and, it'll be absolutely fine um it's really when when you start like getting into heavyweights that you need to be strict on form and i think that's actually a problem is people doing relatively easy exercises in terms of weight and just being so strict on form and then their body just learns this rigid way of moving and then they can't move in like more dynamic ways and again like i, I walk into commercial gyms and walk around and i guarantee you won't see anyone rotating you won't see anyone jumping or doing any sort of like plyometric stuff Generally, everything's like forwards, backwards, up, down, all in straight lines. And then, of course, you're going to be in pain because everyday life isn't in that plane. Like everyday life, you reach and you rotate and you bend and your your spine bends and flexes. And if you're not doing that often, then, of course, you're going to have problems with it. So, yeah, one of like another one of my tips would be don't be scared. Again, if you're not using heavy weights, you know, just do it with your body weight. Just rotate like use a med ball, a medicine ball and, you know, throw it on the floor and whatever you can. Like if you see me in the gym, I'm doing all sorts of weird stuff. And I know that I get looks, but I literally don't care because I know that what I'm doing is good for my body and makes yeah. me feel good. So I'm sat on the floor 
scrolling on TikTok, yeah. <laughs> trying to find something that doesn't make me want to cry. <laughs> I think it's yeah. really. I think that's really interesting. I think that's really positive because I think that, especially now, as Lily was saying, a lot of people have lost confidence in going into the gym, and to have it from someone who actually works in that profession and looks after the bodies that are hurt to hear that of go move your body in any way that's why your dance class is going to be good lily yeah 100 percent. well that's what i was even thinking i was like my the aches that i had were the weirdest like aching that i've ever because i rarely move my arms above my head mm-hmm. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like <you> just <laughs> yeah. so yeah. i did literally an hour of dance and i was like oh my god things are aching that, and I was doing obviously a lot of twisting and things like, and that was the best movement I've had. And I just don't know how long because before I'd go to the gym and I would do my forwards backwards and I would run a bit on the treadmill Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh, I feel kind of all right, but like nothing magical. And then when I went to the dance class, I was like, I am so stiff. Yeah. And I had never realized how stiff I was because I was never, ever moving Mm -hmm. in those sorts of ways. Yeah. And a lot of my treatment is basically like my approach. If I, if someone comes to me in pain through assessment, I just figure out like, where can't you move well and then teach you to move well there. And that's obviously a massive oversimplification, but that's the overarching approach I have is like, you come to me and tell me your shoulder is painful. Okay. Well, how can you move your shoulder? okay, well, you can't move it in this direction. Well, let's gradually expose you to that good direction in a sensible way and generally makes people feel better. And then on a broader scale, again, if you're not in pain, because I still do coach people. I mean, my treatment approach with physio is I do all their gym workouts for them as well. Um, so yeah, just getting move, getting them moving in new ways. Like I've, I'm treating multiple people that have gymmed for years and they've done three weeks of my programming and they're like, I feel so much better. And like they haven't really lifted any heavy weights. I've just moved them in new ways. And mm. your brain's like, oh, thank God. We're not just sticking to that boring like bench press and stuff. I still do that. Like it's still valuable. I, I genuinely, I think that most people, if they went to the gym twice a week and on one of those days you left like a little bit red faced, like do a little bit of stuff that's going to actually improve your cardiovascular health and things like that. But even that people get that not wrong, but you know, people go on a run and they run until they are at like an eight out of 10 difficulty when 80% of your cardio should be at a pace where you can still have a conversation with someone like a little out of breath conversation with someone it's called zone two cardio and that is the most beneficial form of cardio for like heart health circulatory health everything like that but then you get people that go in the gym they lift really really heavy they then go on the assault bike and kill themselves on the assault bike until they feel like they're about to throw up and wonder why they then feel like shit And it's not their fault. It's just because, again, this is one of the negatives of like the fitness culture. You don't see many fitness influencers sat on a bike going at an easy pace. You know, they're all doing these crazy workouts and like spin classes where it's just ridiculous high intensity. And if you just do that all the time, your body's just going to start complaining. And I also feel like that we've lost the like fun of the fitness industry, like doing things that are fun for you that aren't typical fitness. So that could be, you know, a dance class or a netball game or, you know, rather than just going to the gym five days a week, killing yourself and not really enjoying it. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, I think the gym should be, some people will view this differently, but I've been in both camps, right? I've been in a point in my life where the gym was my goal. Like I was going to the gym to look better. 
and I looked good, but I felt like shit. And even when you look good, you don't, you're still not happy with how you look, um, which is probably why now I'm just kind of like, you know, yes, I could look better, but I don't really care because I go to the gym to improve my life outside of the gym. Like I go to the gym to generally maintain a good level of muscle mass. Like for example, this is taking a slightly morbid turn, but you know, any of us, this, this is probably one valuable thing I gained from my degree, right? Is we had to do a thousand hours of placement in hospital. And what that teaches you is that at any point, something really bad can happen to you and you can end up in hospital. And what was so obvious was that the people that went to the gym and you know not even excessively but they generally looked after themselves maybe it was a, a female that played some netball recover much much better from any sort of illness or anything like that than the people that don't and i'm talking from like a physical perspective obviously that depends on what illness you've got and things like that but let's say you've got a person that was healthy and a person that was or a person that was active a person that wasn't and they get the exact same disease the person that was active will have a much better recovery like you know, my job as a physio in hospital was to go to those people, stand them up, walk them. And the people that didn't exercise just lost, so, like they looked like skin and bones most mm -hmm. of the time. Whereas obviously the people that were active lost weight as well, but they were still able to like, okay, I'm going to stand up now and walk and with a little bit of assistance, but maybe within a couple of days, they were starting to get it back themselves. Your body should give you freedom, not restrict your freedom. Okay, so after that extremely interesting conversation, we're now going to move on to our overrated and underrated, which is going to be supplied to us by George. So, please, the floor <laughs> is yours. Like an advert. So overrated, Fred again, the uh, the DJ. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 And you're underrated. <laughs> underrated, eating gravy granules. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what does it does it feel like gravy what no no it's it's like it's grainy isn't it so it kind of feels like eating stones <laughs> we have what's called a snack plate where essentially there will be a little pile of gravy granules what the fuck? <laughs> usually some jalapenos and then we'll bring the jalapenos upstairs because we like to sip the jalapeno brine because basically just spicy salty water it's incredible um, and an oxo cube <laughs> to nibble on. What the fuck? <laughs> I do, I do eat salt on its own. That's fucked. That's really weird. <laughs> this week we have a confession from George. All right. I really hurt my big toe um, a couple of months ago whilst doing jujitsu, and I did some rehab so that I could post a reel of like, oh yes, look yes, at me yes, doing my right. toe rehab. It really helped, and it did really help but I haven't done any rehab outside of that content creation. <laughs> and two months later, my toe is still very painful. And I have no intent of making it not painful, even though I know how to. Mm -hmm. I like that. Nice. Cool. Wow, thank you so much for- no Thank you. Us. Thank you this for tolerating us dragging you all the way into Bristol. No, not at all. This has been- Sorry for being late as well. Oh, sorry for being late. Sorry, sorry for being late. late. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for smelling like fox poo. Yeah. <laughs> This has been extremely educational on my end. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Me too. Good. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening. And we will see you next week. I Thank won't. you. George, oh, yeah, George no, won't. I won't see you next but, week. Yeah. Well, I love you. Once again, I still just like you as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everyone. Bye. bye. Say bye, George. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
from a Virgo. Oh, lovely. Um, I think knickknacks. Flavor. Spicy, mm. spicy flavored knickknacks. I cannot be the new baby boomer. Like that will crush my soul. Say oh, you're cool and That's young. My yeah. yeah, you're cool and young. You would be a therapist's dream. These people are about to get some decibels.